0: You're listening to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network. Be amazed. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences.
1: Growing up in Gardur, I had worked as a youth for the local lord for a number of odd jobs. Sometimes I thought he saved the oddest ones for me. Now, I wasn't strong, so I didn't work in the smithy, and I didn't have a good relationship with animals that were bigger than me, so I didn't work in the stables either. I would very often go out and pick up odd items for him, very specific things, mind you. He owned property, but he was not a lord. Not a proper one, anyways... Uh, "'He had money, but he made no income as far as I knew. "'Most lords who owned property would then attract tenants "'to work the land and create an income. "'But as far as I could tell, his many acres of woods, gardens, "'fallow fields, and even a large lake, "'they were just there to keep distance from other people. "'He performed no service to the overlord or king.' He did not raise an army in times of war or have anything to do with affairs nearby, as a normal lord would. He divided almost all his time indoors between his study and his other room, as he would call it. But surely you think he spent time in the bedroom sleeping as well. I have to say I never knew him to sleep the night. I might at times find him fast asleep in his study during the day or passed out for hours in his other room. Sometimes he would send me out to the apothecary to bring back a tincture of a certain description. Other times I would go to the hermit that he allowed to live in the south woods of his lands, and I would fetch different herbs and roots that he grew. I would also go to a gritty person who lived among the rocks in the north side of his property. He would dig the earth and would have odd stones or semi-precious minerals that I would bring back to the Lord. These were the places outside his manor that I would go and fetch things. I would never exchange gold or anything for these commodities that were harvested. They all seemed to enjoy an agreement of providing specific things for the Lord in exchange for their residence upon his lands. A curious way to pay rent, I suppose. But this wasn't the only thing that was peculiar in this whole bizarre arrangement. He kept inside the house a strange, hunched-back man who worked in the dirty room, as he called it. It was like some kind of laboratory. It was to him that I would take all these strange elements, and he would gather them with a clucking of his tongue, and he would manufacture strange things with these items that I would then deliver to the Lord with the stones from the gritty man, he would grind the rocks into powder and season them into liquids derived from other elements, uh, eccentric elements, like blood from a spiked bath or milk from a crying plant or some such. And these he would heat together in a stone crucible and then pour it off into a dipping jar. He would say it was a special ink for the Lord or a suffusion for his master's health. One day I had occasion to deliver to the Lord direct something he had urgently desired. And not finding him in his study, I went at once to his other room, where I had good confidence he would be. The other room I was not to enter if the door was closed, uh, nor I was to disturb him when he resided in there. But I was told by the hunched man that the element that I had been charged to deliver— "...had a limited efficacy." Well, that's how he talked. "...and it needed to be used immediately to obtain the desired effect. What what this effect was, I, I did not know, but I was assured that there was a great urgency in delivering this mixture to the Lord. I knocked upon the door that led to this enigmatic other room, but there was no answer." Now, this is one of those times in which you risk the ire of the Lord no matter what you do. If I left him alone per his standing orders and the mixture expired and became useless, I would be to blame. However, if I were to disturb him while in the midst of doing something more important, I would displease the Lord as well. I decided I would rather be punished for something I did rather than what I failed to do. So with that I determined I would enter the other room at the risk of displeasing the Lord. The room itself was dark. I could not discern the corners of the room. The blackness devoured the light before it reached the walls. In the center of the room, there was a small brazier on an iron stand of three legs. Over the top of the brazier was a grate of iron. There was a small fire smoldering inside the cage that threw weird shadows dancing upon the ceiling. Also billowing from the brazier was a strange hazy smoke of black and dark blue that filled the room. Next to this, in the center of the room, stood a single very large cushioned chair. I could see the Lord crumpled in the chair, his head tipped back and his mouth open. His eyes were open, wide open, and for a horrified short moment, I thought that he was dead. He he did not move that I could see. I crept up closer, not saying a word, but trying to get a better look to see if he was still breathing. The further I got into the room, and the more excited my breathing got, and with the smoke, the dizzier my head became. I felt like I was both light on my feet, as well as heavily weighed down, and my vision began to get narrower and narrower, the smoke and darkness. Then, in a moment that startled me, I felt as if there was something jumping out of my chest, and then everything around me changed. As I looked around, I was aware that I was no longer in that dubious other room at the Lord's Manor House, but instead in some strange landscape. All around me was gray as granite, with jutting rock outcroppings that looked like Twisted skeletons of some primal stone giants or mountainous stalagmites thrusting up through the foundations of the earth. These rock formations and cliffs and clefts stretched as far as the eye could see. And covering these rock monoliths were layers of dead entangled vines, or they were draped with wilted moths hanging down off them like blackened death shrouds. At intervals there were scattered groves of gnarled trees, but they were twisted upon each other with intertwined trunks and branches and all gray and ash-colored as well. Nothing looked growing or alive, and all appeared as if it had withered and died long, long ago, and now only the dross of the wilted vines and branches were left. The air was also gray like ash, it smelled and tasted stale the sky itself was like a wispy gray fog with streaks of dark black clouds that were thinly stretched out across a bleak background there was no wind no breeze the air hung heavy and stifling and the entire place was utterly utterly still my Anxious breathing, even my own heart pounding seemed to make enormous sounds within this blanket of silence. Nothing had stirred or moved in this abysmal desolation for centuries of years. Just my living body standing there felt like a violation of this empty realm and its eons of stillness. I felt my spirit welling up inside me, threatening to burst out from my body from all points all at once. And then when I could stand it no more, I I let out a ferocious cry just before passing out. Which, to my surprise, instead of echoing endlessly throughout this ageless emptiness as you would expect, it was utterly muted and lost and made almost no resound to my ears as I faded from this desolate place into the familiar void of my own unconsciousness. The next moment that I could recall consisted of a light tapping upon the back of my wrist and a muddled muttering calling me to my senses. I discovered I was back in the manor house, and I was sitting upon the couch in the large room with curtains drawn open. And though the sky was overcast with clouds that day, the brightness that filtered in seemed for a mere moment to be like until a dozen suns bursting upon my vision. I cried out and covered my eyes and shrank away however I could into myself. After a brief time, I was able to repose myself, and I opened my eyes and eventually sat up with some small assistance. The Lord was standing over me, and... Satisfied I was not injured in body or mind, simply nodded and walked away without any explanation or word. I only saw the lord of the manor one more time after this. I was sent on a long journey to Storil Vagard to find the stationer there and obtained from him a blank codex, which was an odd item, but it was apparently... "'obvious that the master was going to take this special inks of his "'and write into the blank codex a number of formulae "'which he wished to keep bound "'but did not want the binder to be able to access the contents. "'Normally, you would bind the pages after they had been written upon. "'I left on this trip with the Lord's instructions, "'and it took me a couple of weeks to go there "'and then wait for the item to be constructed.' and then return again. But upon my arrival to the property of the manor, the oddest sight greeted me. The manor house, as I reached it, I could see was abandoned. And not only was it empty of residence, but as I looked upon its gray stone and gray wood finishing and wilted gray vegetation, it appeared to not have had any habitation for decades. I entered the place as as much as I dared, and the interior was mottled and gray and rotted from disuse. Nothing remained or left behind to indicate there was anyone living in it just a few short weeks ago. The lord was absent, the hunchback alchemist was gone, none of the other support staff remained. The stables were also empty and abandoned and fallen down. The gardens were unattended and wild. I went to various areas of the property where... Lived the other tenants that I had known. Uh, The hermit was absent and his herbs and roots were all abandoned. The gritty man also and his diggings were similarly vacant. All were gone. Going along the local road, I stopped a farmer on his way back from the market and I asked him if he was familiar with the uh, manor and property and its lord. He made a warding sign and said, "'That is a fell place. No one goes there, or talks of it.' "'And he abruptly turned his back to shun my presence "'and would not respond to any further entreating. "'I never found out what happened to the manor and its master, "'and no longer being of his service, "'I made my way to neighboring lands to find my subsistence elsewhere. "'I still have the blank codex that I was sent to procure for the lord of the manor,' It is fine workmanship, and eventually I used it to log my own research and formulae for my own dabblings, but every time I handle it, or unclasp it and open its pages, I am always reminded of the master of the Grey Manor house, and I wonder whatever became of him. You have been listening to Fireside Stories from the Dungeons and Damsels series. Voice talent for the character Tuntimus was performed by David Ian. Script by David Ian. Sound engineering by Dino T. Elfweld. Dungeons and Damsels is a sword and sorcery medieval fantasy series produced by Unchained Productions.
0: If an infinite amount of monkeys with typewriters could create all of Shakespeare's plays in an infinite amount of time, certainly you could create a radio script masterpiece in one month. (laughs) Take part in Ned's Room, the National Audio Drama Script Writing Month, where you are challenged to create an audio drama script before the end of February. And this year, you get an extra day. What do you get if you succeed? Why, the honor and excitement of knowing you did it! Plus a nifty reward certificate. Ooh. How do you go about entering Ned's room? How would I know? I'm just an announcer and I... Oh, oh, thank you, monkey. Uh, for information, go online to sonicsociety.org slash Where are the bananas? Oh, okay. That's N-A-D-S-W-R-I-M as in National Audio Drama Script Writing Month. And to give you a head start, I offer you a first line for your script charlie shouting hey where did all these monkeys come from the rest is up to you enter today not you stupid infinite monkey